Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. Good morning. This is your second Wednesday of the month host for Red Sea Roundup, Dr. Thaddeus Romanski, the Director of Education and Development for your hometown local Red Sea Apostle. I guess maybe we're not hometown, depending on what part of our listening area you're listening to us in, but we are local. We are a local apostolate striving to build up the Catholic Church in Central Texas and also over in Palestine. You might be listening to us over KEDC 88.5 FM in the Brazos Valley, KYAR 98.3 FM in Central Texas, KINF 107.9 FM in Palestine, or you might be catching us on our iPhone or Android app or possibly listening to us online at redsearadio.org. Very excited to uh, be on this morning. I'm really looking forward to my guest in the second part of the show, Jennifer Allman. She is the executive director of the Texas Conference of Catholic Bishops. Uh, I got introduced to her when she was in Brian a few weeks ago, talking about the parental choice bill that is... uh, up for consideration in the Texas legislature. We're going to be talking about um, public policy from a Catholic perspective uh, in the state of Texas, uh, the social teaching of the Catholic Church, and also how she got involved with um, with the Texas Catholic Conference and, and her background and, and faith journey. So I think it'll be a very interesting conversation, especially because we're observing uh, as an apostolate for the next few years, the Second Vatican Council opened on October 11th, 1962. And to help in that effort, we've been holding classes, uh, study classes here in Bryan College Station and now in the Waco area, looking at the documents of Vatican II. We're also going to be offering classes this, uh, this fall in Bryan College Station area, on a great book, Reclaiming Vatican II by Father Blake Britton. Those classes start next week in Bryan College Station. Our Waco class, looking at the documents of Vatican II, is at St. Louis Catholic Church in Waco. That starts tomorrow. Registration is still open. Go to redsearadio.org slash vc260 to take part. It's going to be great. It's been great so far. It's going to get better if you're a part of it. Now... Something else that we've been uh, making better and that is better when you're a part of it is our new youth sports initiative, Victory Sports. And I'm very excited to talk for a few minutes to my better half and our director of youth sports, Robin Romanski. Good morning, babe. Good morning. How are you? Are you holding body and soul together there at home without me there this morning? I mean, barely. (laughs) Well, we had our first weekend of practices this last Friday, and this coming 
Friday is our second round of practices and our first scrimmages. Let the folks know how things have gone so far. Well, last week, like you said, Friday started practices, and I got to be present at St. Thomas Aquinas for their first practices. Um, and I just, it was a great buzz there the, to see parish life. Um, and that, from a sports uh, perspective, was really gratifying, and it was a lot of fun getting to visit with the parents as they were watching their children practice and see the coaches there teaching about humility and talking with the children about St. Mother Teresa and just helping them learn fundamentals of football outside on the grass and in, in the gym of volleyball. Did a lot of passing and serving out, I mean, in the gym and the girls had big smiles on their faces and I, you know, it was a lot of fun. There were grandparents watching, grandparents helping coach, um, parents, siblings there cheering their, you know, their older siblings on. So it was really, it was really a lot of fun and, and great to see our parish facilities used in that capacity to um, help build up Catholic families in the domestic church. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we've got practice sites at St. Thomas Aquinas, St. Joseph's, St. Anthony's, and the four BCS parishes are are participating right now. Um, you mentioned something about the virtue of humility, and this week's focus is the virtue of obedience, but that's all part of our, our catechesis and evangelization package that we're calling Victory Virtues. Speak to that a little bit for folks. Sure. We are providing the our coaches, our volunteer coaches, so parents and grandparents, like I mentioned, that are stepping up to, to coach their children and grandchildren are receiving this victory virtue and some connections that they can make with their athletes to the sport. In addition to parents receiving a weekly, I don't know, small newsletter or just a, um, some information about the, the virtue that the children are learning that week and the focus and and some liturgical living ideas based on the, you know, feast days of the week or the liturgical calendar. So, in fact, this week, obedience, we are um, provided in the newsletter a connection to the feast day from of today, mm-hmm. which is the exaltation of the Holy Cross. Um, so just that connection of Christ's obedience and how his obedience turned that instrument of torture into the symbol of our salvation and, you know, that most recognizable symbol in our Christian faith and how our obedience is for us to be obedient is to imitate that obedience of Christ that he showed so perfectly witnessed for us on, on the cross. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love hearing you uh, preach it, babe. Good job. Thank you. Um, if people aren't a part of Victory Sports, but that Victory Virtues at home sounds uh, intriguing, they can probably get it if they would sign up for our newsletter, right? That's correct. If you would just go to victoryyouthsports.org, that's V-I-C-T-O-R-Y-Y-O-U-T-H, victoryyouthsports, S-P-O-R-T-S, dot org, there is a place there to get more information. You can register for our newsletter, and that way we can get 
you know, these little bits of information and, and updates about future leads um, when those registrations open, all that uh, you can be kind of in the loop on. Wow. You so, just anticipated my next question, which was going to be, um, are there any are there any future leaks coming up? There are. Basketball <laughs> registration is open today. So from now through September 30th is our early registration period. So don't wait. If your child is interested in basketball, loves basketball, or at least wants to try it out, now's the time to register. You can get the first registration for $80. And then, as always, our multi-child discount um, makes any additional child's registration fee be only $75. That covers their uniform um, and provides the, the necessary uh, cost that we need to cover equipment and everything for the season. And, yes, basketball is open today through September 30th for $80. Um, so, so don't wait. Register now. Go to victoryyouthsports.org to register and become a part of the only the only Catholic youth sports league in Central Texas. It's the only game in town. That's right. All right. Well, thank you so much, Robin. Uh, I love talking to you anytime, and I'll, I'll see you later <laughs> this evening. <laughs> thank you. Love you, babe. I love you. Bye. We also have uh, Deacon Robin Waters on the phone from Central Texas. He's our Director of Outreach and Evangelization. Deacon Robin, I'm going to let you talk to Thaddeus, but if he starts calling you babe, I might have to take over that conversation. Yeah, I was a little worried about that, but I'll, <laughs> I'll just take it as it comes. <laughs> you, don't have to, you don't have anything to be worried about, Deacon Robin. Well, you know, the name <laughs> similarity, you know. Well, in name alone. What is our, um, what's the latest and the greatest in Central Texas, Deacon Robin? Well, there's just a lot of great things going on. Uh, a lot of churches are having their uh, their picnics and festivals and different uh, and uh, retreats and things like that. Uh, coming up this Sunday in Penelope, they're having their bazaar, and they're going to be serving some delicious barbecue sirloin tips and sausage. And if you've ever been there, it's, it's really a fun event. Great food and fellowship. Uh, coming up next Tuesday, the CareNet Pregnancy Center uh, here in Waco, Central Texas CareNet Pregnancy Center, is going to have their banquet on Tuesday the 20th at the Waco Convention Center. I believe tickets are still available. Uh, to get them, you would go to pregnancycare.org and click on Partner With Us and to help out the Pregnancy Center Care Net Pregnancy Center of uh, Central Texas. It's a great organization, and you'll also be able to hear a, a big name speaker, Dr. Ben Carson, is going to be there. So, big event for them. I know that's their primary fundraiser. So let's help them out. Also, uh, at St. Justice Catholic Church in Cyclone, they're going to have their picnic on Sunday, September the 25th, and they serve sausage and home fried chicken, and of course, like many festivals. In our area, they're going to have live music with Jerry Heisler Polka Band, an auction, all kinds of great things for the kids. So, again, it's another good day of uh, fun, food, and fellowship to uh, draw the communities together. Uh, coming up here in West, October 7th and 8th, that's Friday, October 7th, and Saturday, October 8th, we're going to have a two-day retreat at St. Mary Church of Assumption here in my hometown. And uh, 
the guest speaker is going to be Amaki Lee, who is a Rwandan genocide survivor, just has an awesome, powerful story of survival and 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 of God's mercy and love. So if anybody that uh, lives up in this area or even is uh, in the Brian College Station area, anybody in our listening area would be interested in uh, being a part of that, that can go to www.immaculee.com. And that is I-M-M-A-C-U-L-E-E.com. And you can buy tickets there. Immaculee, so, uh, Ilabagiza is an amazing speaker um, and has been on Catholic Radio a number of times. So I think anyone in our East Texas area would be uh, well served to travel to come to this that retreat as well. So yeah, you got a lot going and on there in Central Texas. Next week, uh, our guest next week on Red Sea Roundup. That's right. Let's stay tuned for that. Uh, we've got a couple of events going on here locally. I, I will, let's close with Thaddeus on that. And uh, before we go to our, our second part of the show, Thaddeus, what do you got here going on locally? Yeah, thanks so Bryan much, College Deacon Station. Robin. Here in Bryan College thanks, Station, Dad. two, you're, you're welcome, sir. Um, two events, uh, one with a little bit more time to, to get on top of, which is the St. Thomas Aquinas Aquinas Fest, their big church festival, big fundraiser for them. That is going to be September 23rd, bingo, 6 p.m., and September 25th, 2022, Festival Day, from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m., you can get barbecue brisket, chicken meal, 11 to 1.30, uh, 11 to 3 p.m., you'll still be able to get your hamburgers, your hot dogs, pony rides, petting zoo for the kids, 11 to 3 p.m., a silent auction, 1 p.m. to 4 p.m., live auction and it's just a great time a great event the whole community turns out mark your calendars and and come on over to st thomas aquinas for aquinas fest and then uh, tomorrow night tomorrow night um, check the elizabeth house maternity website uh, for all the details but it's their uh, benefit dinner at the ice house in bryan uh, I believe the uh, festivities start at 6.30, but double-check for all the um, the details at elizabethhousematernity.org. And um, I hope it doesn't drive you away, but I will be the MC, Woo-hoo! So um, I'll see you there if you come out. So be a part of that. And uh, let's close by saying, on the Feast of the Exaltation of the Holy Cross, we adore Thee, O Christ, and we praise Thee. Because for by Your Holy Cross, cross you have redeemed, redeemed the world. The world. We'll be right back. Red Sea Catholic Radio's Red Sea Roundup. All right. Welcome back to Red Sea Roundup on Red Sea Catholic Radio. I am your second Wednesday of the month host. Thaddeus Romanski, our Education and Development Director for the Red Sea Apostolate, and I am very pleased to be with you. You might be listening on our stations, KEDC 88.5 FM in the Brazos Valley, KYAR 98.3 FM in Central Texas, or KINF 107.9 FM over in the Holy Land of Texas, Palestine, Texas, or on our website, redseeradio.org, 
or maybe you're catching us on our iPhone or Android apps. Whatever way you're listening to us, we're glad that you're along for the ride. You can call in this morning, 85LOVERED-C, 855-683-7332. If you'd like to talk to our wonderful guest, Jennifer Allman, Executive Director of the Texas Conference of Catholic Bishops. Good morning, Jennifer. Good morning. Did I get that right? Is it it's it's the Texas Conference of Catholic Bishops, not the Texas Catholic Conference of Bishops, correct? Actually, it's the Texas Catholic Conference of Bishops. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll try just to get to it confuse you. <laughs> we'll just try to get it straight by the end of the uh by the end of the interview. Um I got a chance to uh, hear Jennifer speak in Bryan at the beginning of this month at St. Joseph's Parish where she was talking about a parental rights Sorry, a parental choice bill that's going through the Texas legislature. Um, and I was really impressed with your presentation of Catholic social teaching and um, just your joyful witness of our Catholic faith. And I wanted to get you on the phone so that more people could could hear you talk. So that's that's why you're on the air this morning. All right. Well, I appreciate the compliment. Thank you. <laughs> um, why don't we start with maybe a thumbnail history and definition of the Texas Catholic Conference of Bishops. Um, so the Texas Catholic Conference of Bishops was founded in the at Vatican II in Rome um, during the council meeting when the Texas bishops met as a region and decided to form the conference. So hmm. this is actually our 60th year anniversary. Oh, wow. Um, this year. It was founded in 1963 um, is when the decision was, or 1962, I guess, mm-hmm. is when the decision mm-hmm. was made. Um, so we'll be coming up on our on our 60th year anniversary. Um, and, you know, it began, the first executive director was a um, former state legislator who was a devout Catholic and knew and understood the legislature and knew and understood the church. Um, and then and the next up was um, now Bishop John McCarthy, who's, of course, um, deceased. He, when he was a priest, was the executive director. And there's been several more since then. Um, and I've been here at the Texas Catholic Conference since 2006. Okay, wow, you've been you've been in place for for a while. You're a veteran of the organization. Yes. Um, what about your family background, your your education, um, your faith journey? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, well, I grew up. I was baptized Catholic, but my parents didn't practice. So my grandmother would come and get us for mass a couple of times a month, and and sneak us away to church. And so I didn't, I wasn't catechized as a child. And I thought that like my grandmother wrote the Our Father. I would like <laughs> argue with people that so that's my granny's prayer. And they're like <laughs> looking at me like, I'm How crazy. did you know that prayer? That's incredible. <laughs> right. And I thought Paul and Peter were members of the congregation who sent postcards. <laughs> so I asked her one time, why don't they ever write you? They're always writing those Corinthian people. Why don't they ever write you? She was like, oh, Lord, help us. But then I went to school at University of St. Thomas um, in Houston, which has a rich um, theology and philosophy core requirement. Mm-hmm. And I kept, in everything we learned, I thought, well, I believe that, and I believe that. And by the time I got to my senior year, I was like, I'm actually really Catholic. I really believe this stuff. So I went through RCIA for the rest of my sacraments beyond baptism. Um, wow. And then immediately wow. started working uh, for the parish and then um, to Catholic Charities. Wow. So you you um you didn't have any of your other sacraments growing up and then you how did you how did you end up at University of St. Thomas? What led you to to pick uh St. Thomas? Oh, 
it's just the Holy Spirit. It had to be yeah. because I truly made my decision because I had a, an Irish dancing competition there in middle school and thought it was so pretty. And it had nothing to do with anything but liking the campus. Wow. Um, and that's why I chose it. You know, so it, it, clearly the Holy Spirit wanted me there and, um, you know, and, and there I went. It's great to hear that uh, river dance has had some positive outcomes, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's a, maybe a Gen X reference for, for people who are li- listening. Um, okay, uh, so you're, you started working in, in the, uh, the parish, you said, and when did you kind of decide or, or recognize that maybe working in um, Catholic uh, Catholic advocacy, maybe, is a good way to, to characterize it. Where did you start to see that as your your vocation? Well, I really resisted it. You know, I worked at Catholic Charities in their HIV-AIDS ministry, mm-hmm. and they had an advocacy program, and I kept encountering needs for my clients and calling members of the legislature that I knew because my family had been involved in politics, and so I had decided politics oh. was bad. I had seen enough of the underbelly of the beast and hmm. said, I don't want to do with that. Hmm. But I knew people, I had connections, and I knew how the process worked. So I kept calling and getting bills passed to help my clients with this issue or that issue. So the executive director of Catholic Charities at the time in Houston um, called me into her office one day and was like, you do a lot of advocacy. And I thought I was in trouble. I was like, well, but it's just that it helps my clients. <laughs> She's like, no, 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 it's good. It should be your job. <laughs> why, why are you not doing that? You know? And I was like, well, cause I just, I didn't feel like I could do the Lord's work there. Mm-hmm. I thought that I did the Lord's work in direct service. And she's like, yeah, but the bills you've helped pass helped thousands of people, and in direct service, you're helping 20 people. And God gave you the relationships and the gift and the background. You should use it for yeah. Him. And I was like, well, okay, when you wow. put it that way. <laughs> um, so I started doing advocacy Beautiful. work at Catholic Charities first. Um, can we linger a little bit on your time at Catholic Charities? Uh, this was a little bit off script, but <clears throat> you I had I'd forgotten that you had been a part of their HIV AIDS ministry. What was that like working in that um, space from a Catholic vantage point? That's, I don't think that that's, that's not often a place that we think about uh, the light of Catholic truth and the light of Catholic um, goodness and charity being, being shown or being a part of. What was that, what was that like? Oh, it was an amazing and beautiful experience. I was the um, HIV-AIDS education coordinator, and so primarily I was doing chastity presentations in parishes and schools, Mm. but I also met individually with persons who had HIV to talk to them about the importance of remaining chaste and living a life of chastity to to prevent them from spreading the illness. Um, so I did individual consultations to help people commit to that life and to, to understand the impact of nutrition and health, you know, in their daily life. And, and I saw some amazing things. I'll give you a quick example because it's a, a beautiful experience I had. I had a client one day who was homeless, HIV positive, drug addict, came in and he smelled really bad. And I, I heard him come in and he was going to meet with a spiritual support coordinator first. And I I went in my office, I closed the door, and I was like, Lord, I'm not ready to meet this guy. I don't, I don't have the right heart, and I just, I don't, he smells bad, and I'm not going to be able to focus, and it's petty, and I need to let it go, and 
I spent his whole hour, he was in spiritual direction in prayer, that I could just be kind. Um, oh he gosh. came into my office, and I was still distracted, but kept trying to talk to him. And then he said, Miss Jennifer, I need I need to apologize to you. And I said, oh, okay. And he said, I'm I'm distracted, and I'm having a hard time listening to you and understanding. And I felt so convicted, like he knows that I'm judging him. And he said, the reason is because Miss Joanne, in my appointment with her, told me that in your Bible, there's something that says Christ lives in me. And I think about your God would live in me, and I want to know that God. And all I can think about is wanting to know a God that would live in a person like me. Mm. I just started bawling. <laughs> I was like, okay, Jesus, message received. God is present in this man. Yeah. You know, we just had this beautiful moment of talking through that. And, you know, so there's there's real ministry going on in that arena. And, and that program still goes on at Catholic Charities in Houston today. Wow, I'm, <clears throat> you've got me choked up. Um, thank you for it. Always chokes me up to remember that story. Yeah, right, God bless that gentleman wherever he is. Um, okay, so you you're involved in the HIV AIDS ministry and the diocese of Houston, Archdiocese of Houston's Catholic Charities, and then eventually you you move over to work with the the Texas Catholic Conference of Bishops. Um, so. Let's get a little more of the nuts and bolts of our conversation. Maybe let's start with what is its its kind of its mandate, its competence? Because um, I know that with the national conference, you know, uh, the bishops don't have to abide by the the decisions of the of the national conference. It's a it's a, con- a consultative um, body. Is is it the same? I would imagine with the Texas conference. Yes. I mean, we're in a, an association of the bishops of Texas, and so they, they choose to associate together and to make decisions together. And so when they commit to one another as brother bishops that they're going to enact a decision, it's a commitment to each other. And, and if they don't choose to do something, then then we don't do it. Um, and so the way that we work is, you know, the bishops have, you know, meetings twice a twice a year, and tomorrow is our is our fall meeting. Um, in Houston, so I'll be headed there. Um, and, you know, they discuss what they want to take action on as a body, and then, you know, the staff takes action on the directives of the bishop, um, of the bishops as a body. And so, ideally, all the bishops are engaged and, and active in the deliberation to get to the decision. Um, the cardinal and the archbishop serve as the chairs of the conference. Mm-hmm. And so from time to time, they will make a decision that will let the rest of the bishops know, cardinal and archbishop have directed us to do this um, when when there's an urgency to something. Um, but it's typically something that the bishops have already agreed. So we, we um, at the spring meeting, we pass a legislative agenda. So all of the detailed policy positions we're going to take at the legislature so then we don't have to go to the bishops for every single action on those agenda items. So right. if an agenda item is marriage and family, and there's a marriage and family bill, we can support the bill without having to call 23 bishops and ask what they think of it. Right, right. Uh, and we'll, we'll come to that marriage and family uh, issue in just a moment. Um, I wanted to ask you, does the, does the conference deal primarily with... Um, public policy questions, or do they also deal in, you know, catechesis questions, ecclesial questions? Um, are they, you know, are, are there, is something on the agenda about the Eucharistic revival, for example? 
the theme is Eucharistic revival. <laughs> okay. Um, for okay. our meeting. So, so I guess it's on the agenda. With adoration. <laughs> yes, absolutely. The bishops talk about everything um, under the sun. Okay. Um, and so the, their agenda is developed for each meeting based on the, you know, what's happening in the church at the time. And so it's a mix. And, and the conference also accredits all the Catholic schools. So mm-hmm. all Catholic schools go through an accreditation process. Our staff does that. We have the Catholic Archives of Texas. And essentially our role is to facilitate collaboration and communication on issues that span dioceses. Gotcha. So if something is an issue only in Austin, the conference isn't involved, city council issue or an individual disaster or a flood here. Mm-hmm. But if something impacts multiple dioceses, the bishops of those dioceses will frequently ask the conference to coordinate response. Mm-hmm. So when Hurricane Harvey hit six of our dioceses, those bishops said, Jennifer, can you help facilitate all of the national outpouring of support to come into your office and then be funneled to the diocese. Otherwise, all six of us are repeating the effort with these national contacts. So we we serve as anything the bishops need when when it involves more than one Texas diocese. You know, I I talked about your your joyful Catholic witness at the the top of the interview, and I was... um, Sitting with a non-Catholic friend last night at a at a youth sports event, and um, he and I started talking about matters of of faith and, and church attendance. And he's a he's a Baptist, and um, but he he mentioned he dated a Catholic girl in in um, high school. And I jokingly said to him, I said, "Well, I guess she she failed." And he he said, "What do you mean?" And I said, "Well, she didn't. You didn't convert." Um, and so I was. We were kind of teasing each other, um, but it got a little bit. It got a little bit serious uh, a few minutes later, um, because the subject of the abuse scandals came up, and I was very humbled um, in that moment because it's it's easy for me to to forget how much those have damaged the prophetic witness of the of the church especially in the perception that outsiders have of our of our church um talk about that and and what the conference continues to do to try to rebuild that prophetic witness and and protect the vulnerable at the same time yeah i mean the sin of sexual abuse, the crime of sexual abuse, has so many secondary effects, and the, the worst effects are always to the victim survivor and their family. Um, that's that's where the the initial pain is, but but that sin attacks us throughout the church at every level um, and continually. Um, and what the bishops of Texas have done, this is a time where I'm very proud to work for for the Texas bishops. They in 2019. Um, deliberated and decided to publish the names of every one, every member of the clergy with an incredible allegation of abuse against a minor. And those names have been published on the websites of all of the dioceses to 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 make that known to the public so that, that others might see that and, and understand what happened. And in doing that, um, you know, we have we have worked you know, aggressively on implementation of the Charter uh, of Protection of, of Children, um, ensuring that every parish volunteer, every school volunteer goes through the training. And in the Diocese of Austin, it's the, it's the Ethics and Integrity and Ministry training. Mm-hmm. Each diocese calls it something a little different. Um, and, and that's been really important to do, but it's also been a model for others. So in terms of legislative work, we have been very... 
very much leaders in trying to pass more protections for background checks in order to prevent predators from moving from one organization to another. And that's one thing that we've learned through the abuse scandal in the church is we've learned what pre- the links predators will go to to find loopholes to exploit to access children. We saw how that played out, and now at the state level, there's all these background check processes that are riddled with loopholes. Mm-hmm. And so we've drafted the legislation and taken it to the legislature and asked them to close those loopholes. But we passed a bill called the Do Not Hire Registry so that private schools have access to the same background check information as public schools. Um, when a teacher has been found to have harmed a child, to have engaged in an inappropriate grooming relationship with a child, they're posted on this registry that we have access to um, that we used to not have access to. And so, you know, the best thing that the church can do is meet victims where they are, understand where they are, listen to them, and take every step possible to protect children today. And the Catholic Church has done that. If you if you compare the list of credibly accused clergy on our websites, there's about 280 names on that list, and that spans a 75-year time frame. So over 75 years, there were 280 priests, clergy, deacons, um, found to be credibly accused. In 2019, there were 1,800 public school teachers found to have been credibly accused in that year. In the state of Texas? In the state of Texas. So when you look at your friend's reaction to how horrific the crime and sin was in the church, he's absolutely right. But let us not see the other places in society that predators will also exploit. And if you look at the number of of people on that list where the crimes were in the last, you know, since the implementation of the charter, it's like 10 or 15 um, over that 10-year, 20-year time period. And so I think what has happened in the church is we have learned from the sin and the crime of the past and reformed and continue to be leaders on child protection today. Yeah. And I, and I think that, um, it's, I think where he would, he would probably come back and say that the, that's good about the numbers, but, um, we're supposed to be better than that. We're Christians. We're not. Absolutely. The numbers should be zero. I mean, yeah. that's the, I mean, the, every single member of any denomination, every single clergy member is yep. entrusted with a special protection of the, chi- of, a, of the children and their failure in that regard is devastating, um, and and far worse in impact because this is a person who a child looks to to learn about God, yes. and it it hampers that relationship forever, um, and so the the level of sin involved is is you know horrific, and the ramifications of that sin are horrific, um, and but we have a responsibility today to do everything we can to prevent that from happening. Yes, and I think it ties well to the next topic that we want to move into, which is the the bill that's um, up for consideration in the United States Senate. This is the so-called Respect Marriage Act, and I think that yeah. um, because of the damage to the church's uh, 
prophetic and moral witness at the beginning of this millennium, um, that is, you know, I believe that is partly responsible for why we are where we are at um, today, because our call to, uh, to to say that marriage is between one man and one woman, and that it is for the the union of those those two sexes and for the procreation of children and that the family is the cell of society. Um, we looked like hypocrites because of the abuse scandal that was uncovered uh, in the early 2000s. And so I think there is a tie there. Um, but nevertheless, we have to continue to speak out on the the truth um, that that God has given us. So what what is the um, what can Catholics do in coordination with the the Texas conference and the national conference to defeat this this bill? Um, it's going to take a lot of work. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of the work has to be done in other states. Uh, mm-hmm. At this point, both Senator Cruz and Senator Cornyn have gone on public record saying they will oppose the bill and they will be voting against the bill. And so we're we're preparing a letter to them to thank them. And, and to, you know, encourage them to stay strong. Um, but I think, you know, for, for listeners who are, are looking at it, you know, calling them and letting them know you appreciate their opposition is really important because, you know, if you've watched the, if you've really been watching the bill, some of Cruz's comments in the, in the public over the course of the last few months haven't indicated a clear no until recently. And so I think he's had a lot of pressure, and so a phone call to thank him will help keep his no a no so that he stays a consistent no on the bill. Cornyn, on the other hand, has been a consistent no on the bill. Um, it, but it also for listeners who have friends um, and family members in other states, having those friends and family members call their senators, at this point it looks like the votes are 53-4 the bill. And that's, that's sufficient for them to pass it. Um, and, you know, that that's with a handful of Republicans switching over to vote with the Democrats. So, you know, for, for listeners who have friends and family in Republican states calling those Republican members and asking for their opposition, you're unlikely to get any Democrats to oppose except maybe Senator Manchin in West Virginia. But I don't recall his vote. He is a more moderate and conservative Democrat who is Catholic and has voted with the church on pro-life issues very strongly. Um, And so I I don't know where his vote stands. So West Virginia could probably call their senator um, either way. Um, But, you know, the vote's likely to be Monday. And and what this bill does is it, it forces all of society to accept the definitions of marriage that the Supreme Court um, laid out in the Ogerfell decision rather than traditional marriage between one man and one woman as the church understands it. So it, it creates this this kind of punishment by process where the church would have to sue in order to be able to uphold our religious liberty to only hire teachers in our Catholic schools who are in traditional marriage um, as opposed to someone who is involved in a same-sex marriage. So we would have to sue to maintain that right. And and the fact that we would have to go through that when it's clearly a First Amendment protection uh, is offensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's why we strongly, well, it's among other reasons why we strongly oppose that bill. Mm-hmm. What is the easiest way for people to get the contact information for their senators, uh, regardless of what state they're in? Um, 
regardless, probably just to Google it, honestly, because okay. in Texas, you can go to capital.texas.gov, and there's a box that says, who represents me? Okay. You can fill in your address. But in other states, I don't know the website. Does the USCCB have a portal that people can use to contact their... They probably do, because they okay. have an action alert they've sent on there. Yeah, so I get those. go to their those. action alert website, there will be links that you can click the link, and, and that makes it really easy. Just click, 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 and you've submitted your opinion. Okay. Um, and pray. Pray fervently pray. over these next uh, days. Yes, absolutely. Um. Let's move on to something a little bit more hopeful, and that's the parental rights, sorry, I keep calling it parental rights, parental choice uh, bill uh, pertaining to education that is up for consideration in the Texas legislature. Um, talk about that a little bit, how people can affect that, uh, that bill's progress. Sure. Well, um, we're waiting for the bill to be filed, um, and there will be a number of bills filed on parental choice. And, and parental choice simply means um, establishing a process by which parents can choose the best educational environment for their children, public, private, charter, homeschool, um, whatever is appropriate for their child. And some of the dollars would flow with the child to the new educational choice. Um, it could be through a scholarship for a you know, a tax credit, a donation that a business might make to, to a nonprofit in lieu of taxes. It could be state funding. We don't know until the bill is filed what the funding mechanism will be. Um, but the goal of the bill is to ensure that low-income and moderate-income families have the same access to choosing a different school as upper-income families. Anyone with means can pay for private school tuition, um, and we have many scholarships and, and financial aid opportunities available for low-income families, but nowhere near sufficient to have true choice for all families. Mm -hmm. um, and so we look at this as, as both a parental rights issue. I mean, when you, when you say parental rights, that's correct. Your parent has a right and a responsibility to educate their child. Um, and that's fundamentally where our position comes from. But it's also a, a social justice issue, a civil rights issue, um, because all children should have access to the highest quality education. Um, and unfortunately, there are children who are falling through the cracks right now um, in the public school settings. And there's also public school settings who are pushing agendas that the church uh, would strongly disagree with. Um, and it makes it very difficult for Catholic children in those schools um, to live in accordance with our gospel values. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Uh, I just I don't know what to I don't know what else to say about about that uh, the, the the idea of the the curriculum being so opposed to our our faith um, in the public schools. How are we How are we expected to uh, How are we supposed to enjoy our our free the free exercise of our religion when um, that kind of indoctrination is is going on in the public schools that that many families that's the only education that they have access to. Right. And it's it's particularly problematic. I mean, our office, through our education office, we reviewed the curriculum that is um, most common in Texas for sex education. And one of the things that was truly, dist I mean, many, many aspects of it were disturbing. Um, but one of the parts that, that just sat with me so shockingly was a, a, an assignment where you're called to challenge uh, religious organizations who don't accept um, a non-binary approach to gender, 
um, and, and confront them on their discrimination. And, and it was like you're teaching in the public school that, that the children should challenge their church as wrong on our fundamental religious teaching and on basic biology. This is not education. <laughs> no. Um, you know, and it, it was really disturbing to put you, – you were graded on going to a protest and challenging an organization that doesn't respect same-sex marriage. It's like that's totally inappropriate. It's wrong on a number of different levels. Right. Um, should, be, should be brought uh, – a suit should be brought immediately on that, on that basis, on a, on a First Amendment well, basis. Well, they did, they did vote down that curriculum. Okay, we good. That. That's we, good. I mean, people protested, and, and that curriculum was not selected. Good. Um, but that's in one, I mean, 1,200 public school right, districts in right, Texas. Right. Every single one of them approves curriculum separately. So is there, any, so, kind of, is there any kind of state legislation that could be passed, possibly, to, to mandate that, that that's not, not on the that table? Is, it, that, that curriculum was in violation of state law. That's okay. how we were able to get it stopped. I see. State law requires um, abstinence um, curriculum as the primary sex ed curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it has requirements that, you know, the, it has multiple requirements. Now, a local ISD can still pass curriculum that's clearly going to be objectionable to us. Um, but there are certain things that we are able to challenge. We don't have the capacity in our office to do that in every district. Um, again, that has to be led by parents, but this is when the lay faithful have to get engaged. Parents have to get engaged in their school health advisory committee. It's called a SHAC, S-H-A-C, School Health Advisory Committee. That is the entity for every ISD that passes the sex ed curriculum. Parents of faith should join the SHAC. They should, they should run for that council position. It's not a school board membership. It's just a council. It doesn't require the same commitment as running for public office, um, but getting onto your your school's uh, school health advisory commission and taking an active role in review, reviewing and approving sex ed curriculum is absolutely necessary. Um, so that's one way that I, I really encourage parents to get engaged. Okay, get uh, get involved in your local shack, your school health advisory commu- uh, committee. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Or council. I council. Think it's council. All right. Um, let's now. We've got about a little over ten minutes left, Jennifer. Um, let's let's move to let's talk about immigration before we come back and talk about the life issues. Immigration is a sensitive subject for many. Um, it's one that is highly politicized. Um, where should Catholics stand on this question of of immigration. Um, I think Catholic teaching has elements that challenge both political perspectives on on immigration. Absolutely. I mean, it's 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 a two sided coin. I think people look at immigration and they tend to fall into one camp or the other, either kind of an an amnesty, welcome the stranger, everyone is welcome camp, or a build a strong border you know, no one's getting in camp. And that's a false dichotomy. Um, The reality is uh, the Catholic Church's teaching is that people have a right to migrate, but they have a right not to migrate. They have a right to a safe and secure home in their home country, in their home culture, in their family's generational experience. We have, people have a right to migrate, 
but a sovereign nation has a right to secure its border and to control the flow of that migration. And what has happened is for decades, every level of U.S. government has failed to adequately address both of those issues. And because politicians tend to pick one, they fail on the other side. And ultimately, failing on either side of the issue causes the broken immigration system we have today. Mm. So the solution that the bishops want to see you know, the, the phrase that's always been used is comprehensive immigration reform, and a lot of people don't really know what that means. What the bishops mean by that phrase is that you must address the the discrepancy and discrimination in the immigration flow process. The fact that an upper-income, you know, engineer from India can get into the United States really quickly and easily with a visa, but a poor person from Guatemala who's facing, you know, cartels and gangs and potential rape cannot get in. Um, and, and that's the person who needs to get in the most in terms of the danger to their physical life. Um, and so you have to fix the flow system. But it, in fixing the flow system, you also still have to secure the border. And people most often miss the church's message in that regard. Um, the question is, how do you secure the border? Because there are cartels down there. There are There is danger. Um, but there are also good, solid Christian people and people of goodwill, of, of no faith at all, who are truly seeking a better way of life and ought to have an opportunity. And so you have to you have to create a process that screens out the bad but lets in the good. And it's complicated. It's it's difficult, but the church calls on both parties to tone down the rhetoric and take solid action that actually benefits the migrant. Um, and and while doing so, provides direct care to the migrant as they come across. Um, we're not over on the, the Mexican side of the border, you know, gearing people up and telling them this is what you need to do to come over. But once they're here, we, we provide assistance because they're here. Um, and so, you know, it's a complex question, and the bishop's position on it is doesn't fit on a bumper sticker. <laughs> or an, inst- an Instagram post. Right. Matter. Um, what is the What is the truth around the role of uh, businesses, corporations, um, needing low-income labor, illegal labor, and that being the the magnet that uh, that draws people here, and if there were more, um, there's more strictures on on the the use of that that labor, not making it as easy for for businesses to to get away with using that labor. Um, is that part of the problem too? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the the it's not just business; it's even private individuals who want the lowest lawn care they can get and the cheapest right. housekeeper they can get. Right. And when they look at the services that hire citizens and go through background checks, it's two hundred dollars to clean your house. And when they look at the woman down the street who's going to charge them fifty, that's what they choose. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's it's. I mean, the, the problem of immigration right now involves social sin. It involves structures of sin. Um, when you when you recognize that most of the jobs that that un, undocumented immigrants coming here seeking a better way of life, most of the jobs they end up in are jobs once held by slaves. 
Mm. Um, because they're the jobs that anyone on an upward mobility path doesn't want. They want a higher income job. They need a higher income job in order to flourish. Mm -hmm. And the church believes in human flourishing and that work has a reward and all people should be paid a fair wage, regardless of citizenship status. But a business should be penalized for failure to follow labor laws, for failure to pay the minimum wage, for for evading immigration laws, because they absolutely contribute to the problem. Yeah. And that's the difficulty is to to truly reform the immigration system takes, just like with the abortion issue, we have to change hearts and minds. We have to change, you know, people over profits. Um, and we have to we have to get both political parties to understand the depth of the reality of the human condition and how how we get here and how we resolve it. And it's a far more complex problem um, than most people realize. Well, we're not going to solve that problem uh, this morning on the air of uh, Red Sea Catholic Radio, um, but maybe we can close by talking about something that is a, a sign of great hope and that um, Texas was at the, at the kind of the forefront of, and that's the abortion issue and the, the Dobbs decision and the, the outcome of that and, and what happens next. I mean, it's an amazing time to be um, a part of this work. Um, you know, I can talk forever about the decision. We're at the close of your show. So um, <laughs> what I will say is that our generation ended abortion in Texas. We ended legal abortion. Um, and that's something you can never be grateful enough for. Um, but the reality is we have never properly invested in the types of supports families need to choose life. And we're yep. at this unique yep. historical moment where both parties are willing to do that. So we have an opportunity to complete the good work of Dobbs by putting in place legislation that gives families that support, but does so in a way geared towards self-sufficiency and human flourishing, not further government dependency long-term. So we're looking at programs that involve a case management model that helps families move out of generational poverty and into flourishing and success rather than simply a large government program to fund their child's life. Um, and so, you know, it's a it's a big effort. We're calling it a continuum of care for families. Mm. Um, and we hope to, to do some really good work in that regard in the coming weeks. Well, that is outstanding. And I, I love that idea of, I've often said, you know, we should be more bold in saying, as pro-lifers, Hey, let's we're we're totally open to uh, reconfiguring the the social safety net to to make this a possibility so that women don't have to seek abortion. What like what do we have to do? Anything's on the table. That that should be our 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 view. And it really, for the first time ever, that is where pro-lifers are at. Yeah. I'm having many strong pro-life Republicans come to me and say, "Where's the best place to invest in the social safety net right now? How can we help mothers the most?" Yep. And because Catholic Charities and our pregnancy care centers and Gabriel Projects have been delivering those services for hundreds of years, mm -hmm. we know the answers. So we have experience in ministry that can help guide the work of the legislature towards a, an approach that is truly respectful of the human dignity, human rights of the human person from conception and natural death. And that's exciting. Well, Jennifer Allman, Executive Director of the Texas Catholic Conference of Bishops. It's been a pleasure having you on today, and I hope that we can get you to come back on again. And, and there's topics on our on my uh, 
list that I sent you that we didn't even cover as one might <laughs> expect. Um, but it's really been enjoyable talking to you. Why don't you, we've got a minute left. Could you tell people how can they communicate with the Texas Catholic Conference? How can they bring their concerns to the, to the conference as laity? So if you go to our website, txcatholic.org, um, they can sign up um, for our listserv um, and receive our action alerts and, and you know all the work that we're working on. There's an email address there. I think it's info at txcatholic.org, so they can send an email through that email if they want some. They want to share something specific with us. Oh, mention but Texas Advocacy people. Day. We have 30 seconds. Oh, yeah, March 28th, which is Tuesday, March 28th, is, is Texas Catholic Advocacy Day. Come join 5,000 Catholics on the steps of the Capitol with all 25 bishops. Um, it's really exciting and fun day to be at the Capitol. So sign up on the website, www.txcatholic.org. All right, great. Jennifer, thank you so much. We'll get you back on again, and, and hang on to the line as we, uh, we'll, we'll chat for a moment afterwards. You've okay. been listening to Red Sea Roundup. I'm your host, uh, Dr. Thaddeus Romanski. Next month, I will be talking with Katie Faust, who is the author of a very provocative book, Them Before Us, The Move and Need for a Global Children's Rights Movement. Uh, Until next time, uh, when choosing between the values of heaven and the values of earth, always round up.